What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the LWE Podcast. Lee Collins here, and uh, I'm extremely excited, humbled, and honored to uh, welcome another guest this week, a young man who I've had a chance to to keep up with and follow over the last few years, and uh, coming back here uh, for this weekend, and uh, got a chance to catch up with him a little bit. Uh, He is Kelvin DeVoe. I call him Swag. (laughs) He's probably ruling with some swag <laughs> most days. Most days. But, uh, brother, it is so good to see you, man. Glad thank to you have so you here, and thank you for coming and sitting in with me, man. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you so much uh, for the listeners for listening, tuning in. Um, hopefully got some good stuff planned for y'all today. Well, you know, it's going to be hard to follow. You know, Reggie was on here. I know. Uh, it's a tough act to follow. You know, he was, <laughs> he was bragging about all his stuff. But, you know, he didn't say much about that rivalry with Coastal Carolina. He so, never would. So I need to get your perspective you on know, that. You um, know, I, I talk about it. You know, I talk to him about it all the time. And, and man, that's my that's my guy. Um, that's like my best friend. Um, but it's one thing. He's did a lot of great things. You know, like yeah. you said, you know, state champion, you know, professional player, you know, uh, all American, all of these things. But mm-hmm. one thing he never has on his list was that he was able to beat Coastal Carolina and his best friend Kelvin Abo. and so for that I always you know well there's a game in particular him. I want to talk about that yeah. a little bit later because cool. uh, I was actually at that game and cool. that, that was a pretty cool deal but um before we get started with anything and everything, we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about some football. We're going to talk about just life in general. We're going to talk about some things that are actually going on right now that we're all mm-hmm. kind of being affected by. But first and foremost, I want you to tell everybody what you're doing now. Okay. What, what's, what's Kelvin DeVoe's life right now okay. in 2020? Kelvin DeVoe right now in 2020 is just exploring that creative side of me. So day to day, I'm a life insurance producer. Mm-hmm. Um, but my career is I'm building a career as far as public speaking. I really want to go and talk to people about ways to really how to handle stress. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that, sure. you know, later. But when it all comes to identity and things like that and what happens after football is all levels of stress. How do I either prepare for it now or when I'm in the moment, how can I handle stress? in a yeah. healthy way. Right. Um, so talking to um, kids in middle age, high school about that, building a career in that. And my latest endeavor is, you may have seen a couple of videos that I did with like True Story. Mm-hmm. So I really want to brand that out and um, I, I'm going to launch something this summer called True Story Creative Studios. And it's going to be an in-house um, copywriting, content creation, mm-hmm. market strategy for brands, businesses, platforms, you know, that really have something to say, helping them come up with content, helping them to market it, put it out social media marketing things like that um i really feel like that's my that's my niche i've learned that over Mm -hmm. the last four or five years what to do how to pose certain questions to get people to move so Mm -hmm. i like um i like doing that so i want to offer that to the world that's great stuff man um you uh obviously have had a a a crazy good journey Mm -hmm. um a lot of ups a lot of downs first thing i want to throw at you is give me give me give me one with some of your earliest memories from sports how, how early was it in your life when sports kind of came in mm-hmm. to your pattern and what what was what was there any kind of early desire was it something that had to build was there mm-hmm. something that that stood out to you that that kind of got you going on the road of, of being an athlete um i would say two things um i'm blessed to be a younger brother uh to an amazing uh one of the you know, most amazing athletes that I've ever seen. Um, and the first reason that I would say is because growing up, uh, being at my grandparents' house, I came across my dad's helmet and shoulder pads in like an old closet when I was like three or four years old. Oh, Didn't wow. even play, but I came across his stuff and I just started putting it on. So I have pictures of like, you know, very early in the two big helmet and my mm-hmm. shoulder pads. And so from then, I always had a desire to play football and um so from there um I just stayed on that path and some of my earliest memories were some of the coaches that are at our high school now like coach BB right um I remember him taking us to a game one day and we were like listening to Bobby Brown that's like a memory and it was like my prerogative by Bobby Brown and I remember like coach what is my prerogative he was like well that just means you can do whatever you want to do it's your choice hey I grew up with coach B that's probably his theme song every day <laughs> yeah. that's his theme song every day so um just memories like that those are some of my earliest memories and then you know like I said seeing my brother play on teams and seeing how much people came up to him and congratulated yeah. him and things like that. Now I, tell people I who that. don't know who's your brother. My brother, his name is Tequavius Gilchrist. He was a uh, thousand yard rusher in Abbeville, South Carolina every single year from freshman to senior year. Went on to play junior college at Butler Community College. Went on from there to play uh 
fullback and linebacker at the University of South Carolina. And he's on my list. He's on my list okay, to get cool. here too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, he he actually came up and did uh, one of my radio shows with me uh, back last season or the season before. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I just want everybody to know because you cool. you get a lot of praise, and I don't want to spoil the surprise there. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but so yeah, so you 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 got to see him, yeah. got to see firsthand, mm-hmm. and he kind of came through the program at an interesting time because of yeah. a little bit of a transition period there yeah, um, from when Coach Botts coach, yeah. um, passing away, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, and then going into Coach Nichols's era. Yeah. And, um, but, man, you know, you're right. He was he was somebody really that kind of set the table, him and those teams there, for what man, success came after that. What so. those guys did, you know, I see people, like, debating this stuff on Facebook from time to time about which teams, but that team to come in after just losing – a coach that they had basically like spent the summer with or spent talking mm-hmm. to and coach Botts passed away and then to get on a whole new one and for those guys to do what they did mm-hmm. you know man I just I think that's one of the best teams like yeah. to come through yeah. he was he was uh, he was different you know because mm-hmm. I remember um, when I was in school and Leomont uh, was a big factor in the early 90s yeah you know, he was just he, he wasn't ordinary looking coming out of the backfield because he was so tall, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, it's like yeah. a center or forward in basketball come yeah. out, you know, yeah. and rushing for a thousand yards. Exactly. And a lot of people, I remember when your brother came, that was one of the comparisons because he had those long strides. And right. Once he got going, mm-hmm. um, so so you grow up with him. So obviously you're around it, you're seeing it. Yeah. So um, so that kind of gets you caught up on the on the bug a little bit. Oh, man, he gave it to me anytime. Yeah. Whether it was, you know, video games or outside playing basketball, he never, like, just Because he talks a little trash. Yeah, he never, <laughs> you know, he's never one to just let any, if you win, you're going to win by winning, you know? Yeah. But um, just seeing how he also handled the rewards from it. Mm-hmm. My brother was never like, egotistical. He was never, like, just all about himself. Whenever he had write-ups in the paper, he would always, you know, give kudos to the linemen for blocking. So just seeing how people came up to him and just seeing how just he received and he just continued to be like a normal person, not like a yeah. glorified athlete, I paid attention to that. And, yeah. then, you know, that's a similar way I like to carry my life. Talk about those guys that you grew up with. That was one thing I talked with Reggie about. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are very fortunate. As is most of the teams that come up through Abbeville, a lot of the guys play together. Right. And they go up through the rec ball right. and, and, and everything, right. middle school and all that. So talk to me about some of those guys. What was what was kind of some of the relationships that you had that were really special to you going up through that time? Oh, man. Um, I'll start with the first person that I thought of, which was LaQuavis Watt. You know, yeah. My best friend, like I said, we, we spent a lot of time. He was another country. beast that came out of the backfield that you yeah, just didn't want to get like, in front what? of. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but um, just seeing him from a young age, just knowing always just how athletic he Freakish. Was. Yeah, I seen him jump over a fence flat-footed one time mm-hmm. on the on the, on the the game field. Just And so just playing with him through red league in middle school, I knew I could count on him. I knew when Quay stepped onto the floor, onto the court, onto the field, he gonna give you all he got. Yeah. I knew that. Um, early memories that I had with like uh, Tyler Bulls, who was, our, who was my quarterback, yeah. right? And uh, Forrest Grice, who was also our receiver. Yeah. Like He was like, a you know, our Julian Edelman, you know? Right. He was, he was, Forrest was nice. But um, when my brother was coming through, uh, us three, uh, Tyler, Forrest, and I, we were the ball boys for that team. Mm-hmm. So we used to ride with Tyler's dad, and we used to, like, shoot spitballs out of yeah. <laughs> out of the truck on the way. So those are my memories. So just having that camaraderie with mm-hmm. them um, and just uh, Chris Butler, um, which yeah. I, I feel like one of the best linebackers that came through. He doesn't get a lot of praise. He man. doesn't, he man. Solid. But what he did as far as linebacker and special teams, yes. man can make a highlight of special teams alone. Right. You know, and, you know, that's my cousin. So I grew up with him. So just all of those people, it's, it's, it's that common thread that's like, I think one thing about that team is starters on both sides whenever you put them onto the field we gave you all we had mm-hmm. right we may not have been the fastest out of the you know out of the position or whatever but we're gonna give it all we got we know that we're not gonna fold just because we down by 14 yeah. in the fourth you know mm-hmm. and so just man I, I saw Forrest you know and I just had this memory I saw Forrest like a few years ago and it's always love because that theme because mm-hmm. of what we all went through here playing football at Abbeville lining up on the board drills right. lining up in the cage mm-hmm. you know all of that stuff is like it's a common bond and so we take that into life and man we win it yeah. yeah so 
that was 2010. Was that your senior? That was your senior year, right? 2010 was my senior. So year. talk to me about getting up before that point. Okay. As you were going through and, and and stuff, what was some of the learning curves and the things that you got to gain that experience? Because you were you became a big part right. of that 2010 team right. and that secondary secondary was really good. Mm-hmm. So what, getting up to that point, how how were things for you as you were coming up through the ranks there? Um, did you play some running back early on too? Did you? Or yeah, in like JV, JV, yeah. I played running back. Um, and then once I got to varsity, uh, I I was moved to uh, initially safety and then corner because of my height. I didn't really yeah. get growth spurt until like my senior year, really <laughs> for real. And so they, they had me at corner, and um, I remember leading up to it, I was I was a bit on edge because of the previous year because I had just had the knee yeah. surgery and I was like, man, I don't want to go out here and mess it up. But I had a lot of confidence in my therapy, which athletes, if you're listening to this, if you have to have uh, any type of procedure done, any type of surgery done, tr- take your time, listen to your body. Don't rush back to try to be the hero. Don't even listen to any coach to any outside fluids. Listen to your body. And when your body is ready, it'll let you know that. Yeah. But had a lot of trust in my therapy so um coming up to the year I knew that I had to accelerate things just like that I knew I had to uh become more of a leader and really not even a vocal leader Mm -hmm. but just taking initiative hustling to places um giving extra effort you know whenever it's my turn to go that that's how I had to step up because I missed the whole year yeah you know I'm behind the curve so now I have to pay catch up just to be able to blend in with those guys because they were still moving and you know, flowing. Yeah. Because even though you were you designated secondary, I mean, everybody knows when you play at Abilene, I mean, you got to be ready to play anywhere. Yeah. You you can play. You can end up being a secondary, but you can end up being <laughs> yeah. next running back. You can be a line. You can be tied in. You can be receiver. Right receiver, yeah. Um, so you had to be ready to play mm-hmm. everything. And I think that's one of the things that's helped mm-hmm. create a lot of depth for us over the yeah, years, over especially the, yeah. because of there's so many guys that can do multiple things. Yeah. Um, and you can't lose – necessarily putting somebody in a certain spot because they can give you everything there put them over here if you need to Mm -hmm. and especially now you know i think about it with you guys played you know um they were just now trying to get it to where it was you know fresh 11 on this side fresh Mm -hmm. 11 on that side and now they've changed a little bit of the rules now so these guys have to play a little bit more you can't just like sub everybody out you kind of have to like just play through the end because the jv players only get so many quarters that they can play okay so now it's a little bit different and stuff so Uh, you got guys logging a little bit more time and everybody's like well why are the starters out there playing in the fourth quarter quarter. got to wow so it's a lot different now but um just goes back to that point coming back from an injury Mm -hmm. Any injury you come back from, especially like was it because it was a knee injury? Yep. Knee injury. So yep. that's always the hardest part is the yep. mental part. Physical. Yeah. You can rehab for days, but yeah. mentally, mentally is the thing. Do I trust it? Can I jump off? Can I go for that? Right. Can I? You know. Yeah. And we wasn't and we wasn't playing necessarily all the the big pass heavy teams that we right. played in the last couple of years. Matter of fact, we dropped down to Class A in 2010. Yeah. Yep. Um. But as that year got going, what what point of that year? And it may have been before the year because that's what I was talking about when me and Reggie talked about. It felt like going into that year, everybody knew it was going to be a special year. But was there any point in that year that you remember where you felt like, okay, th- this is a team that can do this. We can we can make the full run here. I would say it was the the Chester. Was it uh, the uh, team we played at Newberry? The very first game. Yeah. The very first game. We lost. Yes. Right? But that game let me know, hey, we and 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 I don't Because they were three A's at the time. Yeah. And and we dropped down to one A. And I just remember how we handled it, you know. Um I felt like it was a great game. Mm-hmm. And I just remember walking away and saying, Hey man, we can do that to a three A team. We never like prepared for before, never saw before. We can do that. Man, we're gonna take this thing by storm. Yeah. You know, because we still, even though we dropped down to one A, it's not like the players that we were gonna play with in two way drop down. We still had the same team, you yeah. know. And so just coming down, um, you know, I, it's everybody has a level. You know, if you're on three way, if you're on three A, you don't think two A is that tough. If you're right. on two way, you don't think one A is that tough. So I came with that mindset. Hey, what? Hey, we can be, you know, hang with Chester. We gonna run through this, yeah. and I just, you know, prepare for that. And it was different too because obviously the competition. You know, I think we played Lincoln County the next week. Yeah. Um, but the competition, obviously, within the conference at that time wasn't as strong. Where Shovels mm-hmm. was pretty good. They had yep. a couple of good teams that was two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the game against Lamar that always, to me, stands out. Yeah. Because Lamar had been there, done that. They yeah. were kind of the kings of yeah. 1A. Yeah. And great team speed. And that was a team that the first time, pass heavy, 
this was like really Man. the first real true test that you guys yeah. faced, and that was yeah. in the Heights Stadium. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? What do you remember about that? that <laughs> I remember that no flags were thrown. <laughs> I remember the referee having glue to his pockets, but um, I remember it being like third and long. They were marching towards the uh, marching towards the the locker room. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was late in the fourth or right before half, but anyway. I just remember thinking like, hey, it's probably going to come to my side, so let me just get ready. I remember doing everything right, and I remember being there with him and seeing the ball. Like, okay, here's my first pick of the season. All year, I haven't had one. Junior year is taken away from me. My senior season, I haven't had a pick all year. Congratulate my teammates, but here it is in the playoff against a team that no one's going to air it out, and I'm ready. And the guy just pushes me. Yeah. Just flat flat out pushes me. And he caught the ball, and I don't know what happened. I just remember thinking like, that's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, you know, to come out with the W of that as well, it's just like, that just shows us. We're, we're definitely yeah. great. We definitely can go from here. Because to me, that 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 felt like that was a state championship game. Yeah. Anyway, it was. Not even knowing you know? what Bamberg had yeah. the next week. Yeah. But that just felt more like that state championship the game. There's two pictures that I remember of mm-hmm. you from that game that Sean Knox took, which I thought were awesome. There's one of you and Reggie together because Reggie made a big interception yeah. at the goal line. Yeah. And you're like right there with him. So <laughs> if it wouldn't have been him, it probably yeah, been Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so to see how you guys have kind of – Continued together yeah. in your journey, but also one when you jumping up and giving a big uh, high five, chest bump to Coach DeBose. Man, that's like one of my favorite pictures. That was talk, like, talk about Coach DeBose and how much he meant to you guys because y'all had a really good relationship. Ah, uh, man, Coach D, I love you. Um, just Coach D was someone. Coach DeBose is someone, and and I met him com- from coming to the high school with my brother. Um, but just. Coach D has been someone I feel like has been consistent in my life, right? Um, has always wanted what's best for you. He won't try to control you. He'll tell you, hey, you need to start running with that crowd right yeah. Hey, I heard about this. You don't need to do that anymore. I'm telling you, leave those guys alone. You know, and then to have things to where he prays with us, share, you know, messages where he used to mm-hmm. like text us six in the morning. I was in college. Yeah, like mm-hmm. all of us like a group message. So um, just Coach D is just somebody who's just just really awesome as a person. He doesn't want anything from anybody, but just to see other people happy and just want what's best for them. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Coach DeBose did a lot um, just by allowing us to do certain things, like come up here and work out, to host our camps up here when me and Reggie came back mm-hmm. to host the camps because you know, he didn't have to, you know? Sure. But stuff like that because, you know, of the the power that he had, yeah. he created opportunities for other people right. to really succeed. So I always, you know, respect him and love him for that. And, um, and, that, and that's the thing is just making the relationship with coaches that, that can transcend just football. Exactly. That's life relationships, and those exactly. things are important. Um, real quick, as we're kind of capping off that senior year, go to the state championship. Do you do you have any remember? What are you? What are your fondest memories, other than the winning the game itself, mm-hmm. what are some of the memories you take away from that week? Because to me, state championship week, because I was in school in 91, mm-hmm. So I was part of the student body, so I remember the feeling for the whole week. Right. As a player, what was that feeling for that week for you? Because <laughs> um, pra- that's the best week of practice. Right. I would say the best thing, and I haven't heard anyone talk about it since, but myself, Trey McAllister, Koi Watt, like Brody Brown, um, maybe Chris Butler, and like four or five other people all stayed at Trey McAllister's house that night. His mom cooked us spaghetti, yeah. garlic bread. We just slept on the floor before we had to be at the – bus to head to the state the next yeah. day and just that time of just bonding just being there with sure. those guys in that living room just thinking man we about to go and do something ain't nobody did since the 90s right you know and just having that that was like one of the best things that happened all week and and when you guys i remember showing up at the stadium because mm-hmm. I, as you said it had been a while yeah and you it know crazy the, the last time we played for state at that time was 2002 yeah. so it'd been eight years I remember at the stadium, first time we've ever been down there to yep. uh, Charles Strong Stadium, mm-hmm. and you guys link up at the goal line. Man, that or was... You, you, it was the goal line. Was you link up, yeah. and you guys were... The crowd, man. Yeah. It, I don't know how it sounded on the field. Yeah. I still have the video for it. It's yeah. so loud. Yeah. That, that, that must have felt like we're invincible. <laughs> man, it did, man, because it's like not only am I locked in here with my brothers right but i got everybody from my hometown supporting us and what we're doing we all coming together because you know like man i I very pound for pound you can't tell me there is a better fan base than abbeville south carolina on friday yeah we travel you know and we and and sometimes we we're very guilty of being a little bit too spoiled but i I think when the the cards are on the table Mm -hmm. they show up and i 
that that particular crowd, out of all the state championship crowds, mm-hmm. that one, you know, every one of them was different. But that one to me was just yep. that was really different it because was so pure. the hunger was there yeah. as a community. It was um, there. that whole side. It was the first game too, yeah. Yeah. so the whole side was almost full. Yeah. And uh, I remember yeah. that you talk about Coach B. I remember he was in the stands. He was for he was helping with the uh-huh. JV and varsity. And there's a there's a picture of him and uh, and Pi sitting there, uh-huh. and they're yeah. they're like. Literally yeah. wanting to crawl over yeah. and get on the field I and celebrate that, with you know, y'all, I saw that and that yeah. that had to make you feel good too Man, because they so they were there with you yeah. guys from the start, yeah. and to be there, and then the game happens and man, it just. You know, it was kind of tit for tat for a little bit, yeah. and then you guys kind of stretched it out, and then then you win it, man. So, yeah, man. So, what about that feeling? It was just, it was so fun. I just felt like we was able to do something here that no other team in our, you know, decade in our, you know, yeah. class could say. And I just felt so good to be able to do something that, you know, every time we came, because I remember coming to games as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't even remember this. Remember when they used to let us slide down the hill with pizza boxes? Yeah. You know, and all sure. this. I remember all of that. And so, never saw, never seen a championship, you know. Yeah. I was born in 93, last one was 96. Yeah. So, I wasn't going to games at that time. But, um, by, you know, by the time I was able to come to, to not see one, to being able to be on the team that has, you know, successfully did it, yeah. you know, and over, you know, 10 plus years, I was, you know. And you guys, and your class particularly, had went through a lot because yeah. of some some tough heartbreaks during some some playoff seasons and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so for you guys, I know especially it meant a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like you talk about Trey and Colton, yeah. uh, Tyler, yeah. uh, Andrew Osborne yeah. played on defense yeah. as well. Yeah. You talk about Quite Butler, yeah. and, and it's just a lot of you guys that were grew up together through that mm-hmm. class. That mm-hmm. that had to be a really cool feeling. So you mm-hmm. go, you win state championship, mm-hmm. you graduate from high school, which yeah. is obviously. You know that's that's a bucket list for anybody nowadays. You want to you want to be able just to get that diploma exactly. And I was like last night I was at the graduation over here and mm-hmm. and just seeing even though things are different and the setup was different, there's still that joy that right. completion. Right. So talk to me about your from your high school to college process because that's where your journey kind of takes a a little bit of a yeah. twist a little bit yeah. for you to keep going. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about uh, that. A lot of you know a lot of people don't know this because I haven't shared it, but um. When I've always wanted to play Division One football, mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact, uh, I remember my senior year. It was like right before the first playoff game. Um, we played it like a running team. Anyway, I remember telling Reggie, like, bro, I want both of us to go and play D one football. Like, yeah. not just college football. I want, but I want both of us to go play D one football. He said, bro, we will. We shook hands and we went out and won the game. Yeah. And so from there, having two knee surgeries because I had a knee surgery, had knee surgery again on my left knee. After my senior season, so before I even got to college, I had two knee surgeries. Yeah, right? on each, one on each knee. Right. So now I'm leaving high school, and high school I I did just enough to get by, really, um, honestly. And so I was I I, I graduated high school with a two point nine. Didn't even know you had three O. You can go to school for free, you know, right? <laughs> if I'd have knew that, I, y'all have turned in one extra assignment, you know. That point, man. Yeah, man. So I went to. Um, so I only applied to three schools. I remember praying, God, if it's in your will for me to go mm. play college, you know, I can put it on. You know, God, if it's in your will for me to go play college football, one of these three schools are gonna accept me. I applied to Coastal Carolina. I applied to Charleston Southern. And I applied to University of South Carolina. Right. Really, because my brother went there. I was like, I'm only applying to schools that have football teams. That's what I'm going to do. Other than that, I'm going to find a job or something. Uh, all three wrote me back, said, no, you are not a Uh USC was first, Coastal Carolina was second, and Charleston Southern was third. And for like a week and a half, I just sat in my room and cried. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where right. I want to work. I want to go play football. And then Charleston Southern wrote me back a week and a half later. It's like, hey, you've been accepted to our bridge program. For those of you that don't know, a bridge program is where you are uh, mostly enrolled uh, as a technical student, but you live on the university, the big university's campus, so like Midlands and, you know, USC sure. or Piedmont. And so I did. So I was like, okay, well, I can go to Charleston Southern. Literally two or three days went by. Coastal Carolina wrote me the same message. I was like, I'm definitely going to Coastal Carolina because uh, I remember going to the beach and seeing it. And so I go to Coastal Carolina, and I show up, and the first place I go to as soon as, like, things open on that Monday because I moved in on the weekend was one of the coaches off. I said, hey, coach, I'm going to try out. Just move here. You know, he was like, well, what status are you? And I told him, well, hey, I'm a bridge student. I go to this college, but I live on here. He said, well, this first year, you can't play at all. You can't even be associated with us. Yeah. So my first year of college, I really, and this is so cool about my journey. I didn't know it at the time, but I came to enjoy it. 
I got to live as a true college student. Mm-hmm. Reggie didn't get that opportunity. Kelly Bryant didn't get that opportunity. So many people didn't get that opportunity. Sure. And, you know, for good reason, they had things they were doing. Sure. But I got to experience college just as a... You got to get your feet wet. Right. Without all the other requirements. Without, without having to report here and yeah. do this, I really got to experience college. So I'm grateful for that. So then I had to sit out that well. I couldn't participate that year. So then come up on my second year of college right I go and tell the coaches the same thing and I remember going to talk to the coach that summer sort of July before my second year told the coach I want to try out he's like well hey I can't promise you anything mm-hmm. but the fact that you came in here at least I'll recognize your face amongst everybody else who's going to try out just want to try it is show up on this day so I had like a couple weeks mm-hmm. I was like alright I'm ready <clears throat> showed up to the tryout so they had a list they said hey everyone who can try out his name is going to be on the list and it's got 245 246 i showed up right look for my name on the list my name is nowhere on the list to try out i'm like what yeah so i go talk to the you know director try to figure out what's going on basically some paperwork went wrong um and i couldn't try that day he said hey everyone else still going to try it today we can't let you do it today because it's not right we'll fix it Come back tomorrow. I'll make sure one of the coaches know that you want to, you know, work out. Uh, he said, "What's your position?" I said, "I want to play. I want to play DB." So okay, cool. I make sure you know. Come back tomorrow. Cool. Came back tomorrow. I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. Everybody else will try it out. It got cut. Whatever that happened, yeah. it happened. You know. So now here I am. I'm like, what they gonna make me do? You know, the right. trials are. They're not gonna put all the players on the sideline and watch one person. What am I gonna do? Coach came over to me and he was like, um, he was like, you ready? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I talked to the coach when the whistle blows uh, when I'm stretching. He's gonna call you over. I'm like, okay, cool. What am I gonna do? He said, well, you know, you just, you'll, you'll figure it out once you get over there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Just what you wanted to hear, right? So I'm like, that gives me no. But I got my cleats on. I'm ready. I'm like, whatever happens, I'm gonna give it my all. Yeah. DB coach called me over, run over to him. He's like, hey, coach, tell me you want to try out. He was like, uh, he was like, you know, so I'm giving you an opportunity. He's like, you got one chance. He's like, I want you to get behind these guys. These are stars. These are seniors. I want you to watch them. Do exactly as they do. And at the end, when everyone goes through, I want you to jump in. I, be, I shouldn't be able to see a difference from what they do to what you do. Now, wow. What it looked like they was doing was salsa dance <laughs> because yeah. I couldn't understand the footwork. Now yeah. I know what they were doing. They were doing the W drill. Yeah. They were doing the box drill. They were doing different DB drills. Mm. But, you know, how I was as a DB, I never practiced that. I didn't know. Yeah. So I did the best I could and I got in and, you know, I messed some stuff up and some stuff I did pretty good. Yeah. But uh, I just remember, like, you know, thinking like, dang, I hope I can get it. So he was just like, you know, hey, that'll be enough for the day. I let coach know. When he talked to the first coach, came and talked to me. It's like, hey, coach, you know, this happened. He's like, okay, come back tomorrow. I kept coming back tomorrow. Came back tomorrow. They gave me a help, and I did some stuff for special teams. Get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, come back tomorrow. Okay, cool. I'm, I keep coming back tomorrow for like two weeks, Lee. Yeah. No one's told me I made the team. No one got me a locker. I'm sharing a locker with somebody else that's already on the team. You feel like you need to be start charging them. Right. I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing? So one day, I can't take it. Me and this other guy, they're doing the same thing, too, because everybody else has gotten right. cut from the first day. Right. We go over there. We say, hey, we've been coming here for like 10 days. We're, you know, we really want to play, but we don't know what's going on. No one gave us a locker. We, are we on the team? He's like, yeah, you guys are good. Y'all on the team. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so that's when I posted a picture, let everybody know, hey, I'm on. The, I made the I made team because they they didn't do it, you know. So I was like, but it was it was pretty cool to you know to to do that and to yeah. you know kind of go through that and not be let down like, hey, you know, you got scrammed, you know. So you you get on, you basically walk on. Yeah. You've already had a year of the college life. Mm-hmm. Now you kind of get a year of the of the kind of football life. The under football, the life. under football yeah. life, and and that kind of starts your your accelerated journey now. Mm-hmm. So so, what are the things that are you you're seeing? I always wanted like for the guys at Richard because mm-hmm. I know it's it's painful to not be able to play, right? But there's a lot to be learned. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to pick up, and I always look at it like you know when me and my wife got ready to have kids, I was like you know we're gonna take notes of all these other parents because right. there's people that do good things, people that do yeah. bad things. Yeah. So was that kind of the mindset you had to have like this open notebook because that's yeah. the only way you're going to get able to get on there especially, and go? Yeah, especially I did because I knew that I couldn't play that year. Yeah. So I knew regardless, I'm not playing for a spot. I'm planning to get better here. Is it kind of you? You got to be you got to be willing to be a yes person. Like, oh yeah, I'll do whatever for sure. Yeah, because that's the only way coaches are going to notice you. Right. Because they 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 don't they don't pay you any money. You you're there. They barely you know they may you know they want you there. But the thing is. Because you're a walk-on or because you're a lower-level player, you have to do something to get their attention. Right. And that is going against their best person and, you know, within the rules of keeping them safe, competing. 
Yeah. And that's what I challenged myself to do. So there was a guy by the name of Matt Hazel. Um, he went to be drafted by the Dolphins and uh, uh-huh. played for a couple more teams in the NFL. But uh, I went up against him every every chance I could. And I got toasted yeah. for like the first four or five months until I started learning certain tendencies, how sure. to watch his hips, how to slow it down for me, how to not get out of my back pedal so fast and to tempo it. So just looking at all of that, and one thing about being red shirted, what happens is you do more than the people that actually play. So, for instance, the people who are going to play that week, right, they're going to maybe live one or two times that week because you're red shirt. They want you to get stronger, faster, bigger, quicker, right? So they want you to work out three to four days that week because you're not playing on Sunday, mm-hmm. on Saturday, which is good for you. So not only do you get that, but you get to go up against the best players there are in your level of play because you're going to be on the scouting defense or the scouting offense. Right. So you get that chance to really hone in on your skills and say, hey, if I can make a play and I'm on scouting defense against our first string offense, right? Hey, I might, you know, and you start to build your confidence from there. Yeah, that's that's the important thing. I think a lot of guys, um, you know, now, especially when you see so many of these guys how to come in, I mean, there's a lot of four stars and five stars mm-hmm. that even get redshirted. Yeah. That they're thinking, wait a minute, y'all just spent a whole year <laughs> telling me how much you need me. Yeah. So the, the humility of it, the, the mm-hmm. humble nature that you mm-hmm. have to have. Yeah. But sometimes the best students are the ones who – who can do that? They can yeah. just like, yeah. Right. I don't know as much as I think I know. Right. There's a lot more I can know. So whatever mindset I need to take, and so then you got to get your chance. And I think it was like special teams, right? Which yeah. is where you really kind of yeah. got. Which in football scenarios, yeah. special teams is where you get. Where a lot you of people don't realize like that can <laughs> get you, you get over. It. There's a lot of guys that are four or five star linebackers, four mm-hmm. or five star receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that they put they spend that first year, yeah. their first eligible year, yeah. playing special teams. Yes. they're not out there running routes. Yeah. they're out there on cover. Exactly. So how big was that for you to get on special teams? What what kind of got you to that point? It was just just the work effort. Yeah, it was just the work. The coaches just saw that I wanted to, and yeah. like I said, I messed some stuff up because I didn't learn certain fundamentals coming through because we played a certain way. Sure, right. And so when I got there, I had to learn totally new techniques as far as playing a position that I've been playing, but now I have to play it a different way. I have to switch a foot. I have to you know open a certain way or keep my you know cue mm-hmm. so with me learning <coughs> excuse me with me learning all of that the coaches just saw that I really wanted to so you know they give you an opportunity okay you're gonna get on this kickoff it's gonna be late in the fourth we're gonna see what you're gonna do are you gonna go loaf right are you gonna loaf right. because you're in and you're in the fourth and we up by 21 yeah or are you really gonna go hard right because they're paying attention and this I don't think enough high school athletes recognize this I know I didn't in high school coaches whether it's you're going from high school to college or college to pro no coach cares about a highlight. They care about the entire film. How have you played that entire – any snap that you're in, how did you do over the course of the game? Because, so, like, even now in college, yeah. like, the kickoff and the special teams has changed so much. Yeah. High schools are really even a better opportunity. Yeah. You got – that's more film. That's exactly. something else that exactly. somebody sees. Because when if you are fortunate enough to make it to the pros, those four- and five-star linebackers that came in and that were beasts, are still on special teams, right? right? The second string linebacker in, you know, whoever is behind uh, Davis, you know, for yeah. the Broncos, I guarantee you he's on that special teams, yeah. right? Because that's how you make, that's how you earn your money. You can't just, everyone can't be a Tom Brady. Yeah. Everyone can't be a Jalen Hurts. Everyone, you know, so you have to earn your, and mine was just, I want to go to special teams. And that's why I made my mark. And not only that, it's like, that was the only time I knew I was going to get. I knew they were, I, I knew I was, I knew by being a walk-on, by being fourth on the depth chart, yeah. it's highly unlikely unless everybody got hurt that I was going to play. As DB, I prepared as if everyone were to get hurt tomorrow. Yeah. But I knew when the ball was snapped, when I step on this field for kickoff or for kickoff return, that's all I got. So yeah. let me make the most of that. And so you do get to make your mark. You do get to be known. You get mm-hmm. out there. You're, yeah. you're getting that experience. And so now you get to the point where you get the opportunity to start. Now you got to start in your senior, was it senior, senior. year? Was that the, which game was that very first right out the gate? Or? I started right out the gate. So, so, so what was that process like? It was so now. This is like this is the ultimate payoff now, right? Because and and, and actually, it wasn't handed to me. Even though I was right. next in line, it wasn't yeah. handed to me. Uh, there was a senior that had been starting since his uh, sophomore year. 
that when I, you know, by the time I got there, it was his, like, junior year, then, you know, he got from his senior year, then his senior year ended, and then that was my senior year, right? So, technically, yes, I am next up, but coaches were recruiting. They were bringing yeah. in, they had just brought in, like, uh, Ray Lewis III, which is Ray Lewis's son. Mm-hmm. They had brought in, like, three or four other, like, DBs, right? Mm-hmm. So, they're like, okay, well, Kelvin, you know, we know that, you know, you have been working and things like this, but, you know, we're going to go through training camp, and whatever happens, we're going to pick the best man, and they let me know straight up. And I was like, cool, and I yeah. showed up to practice. And they didn't have to do that. No. They could have just said, they could have led you into a false yeah. sense of security. Yeah, yeah. and, and so cool. and and so I knew that, and so I prepared every day. Every day I showed up, I mean, I, I went to the ice tub more than ever. I, I, what really did it for me is how much time I spent with my coach. Mm-hmm. That's from that spring leading up to that fall camp I spent so much time with my coach in the film not even not even my coach my position coach but uh the one of the guys who was helping the defensive coordinator and I learned schemes I learned how to slow the game down I was never the quickest I was never the fastest I was never the most powerful I was never the most athletic I was never the strongest (laughs) right but you're not gonna outwork me and I'm gonna conceptualize it to where I know and this is another thing coach D used to do with us he used to tell us like king formation queen formation Uh, so you recognize tendencies and allows you to give it kind of gives you a leg up right um, and so just me doing that I remember going through fall camp and then um, you know it coming to the first game like you know these are our stars you know they named me and um, they, they didn't name it to game day you know and so yeah. I was like okay cool you know that's, that's how we start in the season you know and I stood up and because uh, before that it was tit and tack there were some other guys that were just as good that were behind me and, and you guys go on to have a really great yeah. year that year yeah. as well I go to Furman yeah. because I thought, oh, this is an opportunity now. I get to go. I can go watch. I can see my boy Reggie. I can see Kelvin yeah. together on the field. Both of you starting. Right. So and cool. so so how cool was that game in particular? Because, you know, obviously you guys are on the, on opposite teams. Because, you know, he was talking about when they faced Appalachian and Keenan was on right. App State's team and stuff right. like that. And, you know, so especially coming from Abbeville, coming from yeah. a small town, knowing the work that you both put in, yeah. that had to be satisfying. That was like one that was that was probably the best game that I that I had memory wise and just uh emotional wise for me. Um, in college for sure mm-hmm. um, just because I knew that I was playing against my best friend I knew that my family was there I knew that I was starting I, it took me four years to get to that starting position right. right and I finally got there and I'm doing it in a game against my best friend my family's in the stands people that I know that I know other people are coming mm-hmm. right and I get to do it on one of the biggest stages that was like the best thing for me and you got a big pick too man I, I just remember <laughs> I just remember being there in the game and actually like uh Maybe like a play out. There. I remember play out because that was that was a kind of a um. There's a lot of offense in that game. I mean, it was yeah. back. Both teams were driving. It was pretty. a lot. I mean, we were getting off the field. We were getting off the field, and they were getting off the field. So yeah. I just remember uh, there was a there was a blitz that was called, and I was faking like I was gonna blitz. Um, and I saw the quarterback change something up, and at the last minute I bailed out because I really had deep third. And I remember him just lobbing it up to to go, and I just remember tracking it down. I didn't even see the defender. I remember tracking it down, and I remember I was almost there, and I was just like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. So I just stuck out one hand and mm-hmm. I just brought it in instead of twisting my whole body. And um I just remember like, I got it. Now let me figure out where I'm gonna go. So I saw the sideline and I was like, all right, instead of me cutting it back, let me just get out because I haven't had a pick since high school. You know? I you you were more worried about just getting it celebrated. Yeah, and selling you know and getting it done. I, I just score, but I just want to celebrate. I just, pick. Wanna, I just wanna get out so I can so this pick can be marked because I haven't had one since uh, high school and I love getting in it because I would get them at practice. Like uh, I know yeah. that I, I have really good that hands, was cool. but I haven't did it since high school. I was like, man, let me get out of bounds. That was all, I remember I remember I jumped out. That's right. Yeah, man. That so that was cool, cool. because I, I remember when I told Reggie when when I watched them when they went to Clemson. Mm-hmm. And sitting up there, and I had my oldest at the time. She's a little baby. That was her first game, and so we were just surviving the heat and everything. Yeah. And he got that. I got my I got my A town hat, but I got my Clemson shirt. Right. And he makes the interception there, and yeah. I didn't say the red. Yeah. Everybody's looking around. It's like he's got the him now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool though, because that, like you said, that again, that's just another. Um, reward yeah. to the work, yeah. to the payoff of what you did. So you guys go on to have a great season. Um, now this is you guys go. I think you had to go to North Dakota State, right? That was actually my junior. That was your junior year. Yeah, my junior. Year. I wanted to ask you about yeah. North Dakota State yeah. because we've seen how successful they've been. Yeah. What's it like going up there to that place to play? Because that place just seems like oh, such man. a unique atmosphere. It is. Let me it's see. a it's a dome, but it's yeah. They're on top of it. Let me tell you, what's it like leading up to it? 
imagine being at the Shell Station here in Abbeville and looking to the Greenwood Mall. You can see so far ahead because it's so flat out yeah. there, right? I mean, you can see flatness for miles. So there's like this dome that just so happened to be on all this acreage of land that has been farmed and stuff like that. So it's just sitting there with a parking lot, right? Yeah. Just this dome in the middle of nowhere. And everything is just bare. It's not much scenery. And you walk into this dome and it's like... Wow, it's so bright. The turf feels so good. It's you know it's air conditioned. And it's so loud in there too. Yeah, right? and so you walk in, and so I remember as we were warming up, like people started to come in. So we we knew it was a dome, so we knew it was kind of loud. But when you walked out, Lee, mm-hmm. telling you if if someone was five feet from you and they said something, you couldn't hear them. That's how much they're on you. And not only are they loud, but these fans, they're like super fans. They do research on the people that's playing. <laughs> so they know your brother. They know your mom. They yeah. know what you're going through. They, and, well, what and, else have they got to do out there? Exactly. They got nothing to do out nothing there. Nothing to do. And they're yelling all of that. And they are literally three or four feet behind <laughs> you, right on your neck. Coach is trying to tell you a play. Hey, we need to go over here and cover this. Hey, your mom. And it's, it's so crazy. It's yeah. so crazy playing yeah, they, But uh, it was an experience, man. That, that just looks like one of those places, like, even when they do the game day and stuff up there, it's like, I, I like to go like and watch a game. That just, was like an NFL game to me when I played yeah. that game. Like, the, the light, the atmosphere, mm. it was so, playing against Carson Wentz, who's now, you know, at, right. the, at the Eagles, you know, yep. just playing against him. Uh, it was definitely, and those guys, those guys, to me, represents Abbeville. Yeah. Their hard-nosed nature. Because they're a lot physical. I mean, this, yeah. they're hardcore. Yeah, those guys play, um, play hard. And obviously they they've had that success, and so that was obviously a cool moment to be able to do that. Um, you go through, you graduate, get a degree, which is you know that's got to be especially knowing like how your college started, yeah. Trying to get everything going, but then you get your degree and everything, and then we talked about a little bit at the beginning, and I want to kind of come back to it what you're doing now. So cool. so get get me caught up to where you're at now and the process that's been to get there because you're you, like you said when we first got in here today, you were talking about, you know, it's been cool to, to figure out more about me, right. figure about you and right. figure about who you are and your right. identity right. away from the football stuff. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that. Um, leaving school, uh, you know, I did what I could to get, you know, a job first. My first job was a job I always be thankful for. It was my dream job. It was top floor corner office with a view. Um, and I was a customer service representative at Verizon Wireless in Greenville. I got the highest floor. I had a corner, you know, and I had a view, which was my neighbor. Yeah. And from there, I remember going in and just really applying myself. Hey, I'm going to try to do the best I can to get these right. customers in and off the phone. And I just remember thinking, no matter how good I do on these phones every single day, they're not going to pay attention to that because I haven't been here long enough. Right. So now football is, hey, the best man is going to start. The best person is going to get on the field, right? Mm-hmm. But the best person in the call center isn't necessarily going to get the raise. So I realized that. So I said, hey, I need something that can put it in my hands. I'm like, you know, put the ball in my hands in the fourth quarter. I'm, I, I'll take the shot. If I lose, cool. I, I'll right. make it better next time. But if I make it, hey, we celebrate. So put, I always want the ball in my hands. And so that's what I knew I had to take that kind of approach to my life. So um, I, I found the quickest uh, way that I felt like that I could uh, express myself and had the kind of freedom that I wanted, which was uh, just self-employment. And I got into the uh, life insurance industry. Mm-hmm. And I did that for two years with the company, learned a lot, uh, just didn't fit well with what I was mm-hmm. willing to do. Uh, transitioned late last year. Um, yeah, late last year, like December. So now, uh, day-to-day, I'm a life insurance producer. Uh, but I am also uh, building a career as far as speaking. And I really am uh, working to when things go back to where kids can return to school and assemblies and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually talking to high school, uh, middle school, and college kids about ways to to really help in a healthy way, manage stress, and and in a way to find out what are their strengths outside of sports? Whatever sport someone plays, they know their strengths because the coaches done told them that right. they've got some kind of reward letting them know, hey, I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. But when you're outside of that, what are you good? And generally, this is one thing I always tell people, an easy way to find your gift is to just listen to people that give you compliments. People are going to compliment you on something that you may not think is a gift, but they see it in you. And they may say, hey, man, I really love the way that 
you shot that video and then you edited it on your computer. Maybe you're going to graphic design. You may think, hey, I'll just do that in my spare time, right? right. Or, you know, to for someone that does their own nails, right, and they put it up on Facebook and get all kind of comments and stuff like that. Hey, you're really good at that. You know, hey, this is just my nails. But those are ways to kind of find your gifts and find what you like to do outside of sports. And um, if it's anything I could, um, I could leave with people is just what, Coastal Carolina being on their team, one of the biggest things we did was on every Thursday during the season, we had a session called LAF, where it's called Life After Football. Right. We didn't talk anything about sports. We didn't think we didn't talk anything about practice. We strictly talked about what was going on in the world. We talked about bonds. We talked about ways of compound interest. But in those meetings, our coach, Joe Moglia, right, mm-hmm. always let us know, hey, guys, whether you whether your football career ends after college or whether you go to the NFL and you have a 20-year career, at some point in time, your football, your sports career is going to end. Mm-hmm. Then what are you going to do? He right. said sports is this much. Your life is this much. Right. If you get don't don't try to get this part right, hoping that it'll take care of this part. You get this part right, and this part to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for those of you who just heard that, I was you know putting my hands close <laughs> together and farther apart to emphasize. Um, but it just saying, if you get the big parts right, if you figure out who I am, what I like, what I what don't I like, who do I want to associate myself around, what kind of things do I want in my life, what things make me feel good, what things make yeah. me feel bad. So once you start to figure out, hey, if I keep watching these fighting videos on Facebook, I'm always in a bad mood. Maybe I need to stop watching fighting right. videos. But I grew up watching them, so now if I feel like it's me, well, you can take a different path. So talking to um, kids about that, um, building a career in that, and then as of lately, um, True Story Creative Studios, which is an in-house copywriting content creation and marketing strategy for small businesses, brands, platforms, helping them come up with content, produce content, market content, uh, get more sales, get more leads, whatever it is their business needs. So um, that's that's what I got going on today. Well, it sounds like to me that, you know, the life of self-discovery just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that yeah. I think we all can relate to is like... Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to come a time where you think you may have something all figured out, but yeah. then, you know, God may come in and just kind of redirect you in something yeah. else and yeah. open up more things yeah. and more doors and, and seeing you in the situations where maybe I need to prepare you for something different, right. which kind of segues for me as we kind of get into the last part of this, mm-hmm. this interview in the fact of where we are right now mm-hmm. as a country, where we are, with what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You talked about the stress. You know, you, for like two months, you have people that have been held up in houses and right. told you couldn't go nowhere and, and told you this. So you have all that stuff. Then you have these unthinkable acts that, once again, get everybody stirred up and everybody going for all these various reasons mm-hmm. on both sides. Right. Well, I, I guess the best way I'm looking at it is the sense of, you know, to me, it feels like even more unique now because you have so much of frustration with other things. Yeah. So now you start throwing that on top on of top what of you're already mm-hmm. fighting against, what you're mm-hmm. what you're trying to speak to. Um, what, what's it been like for you these these like? Because you and I were talking a little bit right. about it. It's just the emotions kind of all over the place, right. you know, right. and, and trying to trying to create these conversations mm-hmm. because there's people that need to talk. There's yeah. people that need to yeah. listen. Yes. And how do we do that? How do we do that more? Um, I I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, ways to kind of deal with it now is just to realize that first off, take a breath, you know, take it. It's a lot to unpack, you know, whenever you are, you know, emotional by anything is best. Because the tendency is to react. It's it's to react right now. Let me say how I feel, even though two hours, I may not feel like that. And I may say something that I may say something that is you know, provocative that I may not do it, but somebody's reading it may do yeah. it. And that I don't cause a whole different thing. So just first to just breathe and just to realize that it's realize that everyone has an opinion, but everyone doesn't have the truth. Right. And just to realize that just because it comes from the news or it comes from Facebook or it doesn't mean that it it's nec- official. It's official. Right. right. So don't base your opinion and what you're going to say and how you're going to treat someone based off things that you don't know. And then, you know, but as far as dialing in and, you know, how we feeling and, and well, how I'm feeling um, initially, like I said, there was some there was a little it was a little doubt in the country. It was a little doubt in justice it was a little doubt in 
I really am in the place of the, you know, land of the free home of the brave. It was a doubt that, hey, you know, this is going to get justice. It was it was like, hey, man, this is going to happen in two or three weeks. Something else is going to, you know, cover this up and we're going to keep moving at like, you know, it never happened. And that's why meanwhile, that's somebody's brother, you know, a father, whatever. And so just to see that people don't want that now the actions that people are taking i don't feel like it's the right way i feel like that act what happened is a one-off situation with a person that did something really inhumane but to go against everyone to pick everyone against you isn't the best thing this is the time where we say hey who agrees on this thing of treating everyone with this same boundary okay all of us come together you who oppose hey y'all figure out something else but i think it's the time to really like you said have conversations like this right um and if conversation like this can be had i think one of the biggest things that we feel so we feel so small but yet we feel so big because we feel like we do so much and we have to we have to work overtime just to be behind almost and to yeah. feel like on top of that that we can just be wiped out and nothing be done about it is very morally just saddening and and, yeah. and and it makes you think man what can i do out here what can i really do and, there, and there's also a lot of truth to the fact of we get a glimpse at one thing right and so unaware of so many mm-hmm. other things that's not even necessarily it's not police or citizen related mm-hmm. it's just talking about just reg- regular common day yeah. living the yeah. living yeah. conversations so acts things that we don't get we don't exactly. coverage of and it's like so so you like you said you get all this emotions that get pulled out mm-hmm. for an instant reaction right. because if you don't react then you're silent and if you're silent then you're not with me and then, and I think that's where you missed the boat right. because um, exactly. We, we don't, you know, you don't want to sit there and put somebody in a position to make them question. Like, they got the right idea, they got the right, right. connection, they have the conversations, but you don't want to just keep pushing on them and saying, right. "Wait a minute, are you having? Are you sure you're good on that?" You right. know. And I feel like that's a lot of time where we get to when these situations happen is that, um, you know, we expect someone to have our response or to act the way that we want to act or the way we think they should act. And if they don't act that way, they're not for us. They're not with us. But my res- you know, my response is going to be maybe similar to you, but it's not going to come from the same place. Exactly. It's not going to come from a place of hate. It's not going to come from right. a place of pain. It's going to come from a place of thought, intention, like you said right. earlier. Uh, what's going to be the next step? It's kind of like shooting pool. If you shoot pool just for the ball that you line up in the corner, what other shots are you going to take? Right? Yeah. So you have to think long term about so it's riding away. Well, like you said, two weeks from now, you yeah. gotta walk past that burning building. Who's gonna pay for that? Your tax money is gonna pay for that. So what are you really doing here? Mm-hmm. Right? You gotta be intentional. About and, it. and and like you and I were talking about, you know, one of the things that really frustrates me is that we spend a lot of time day to day justifying everything. Right. And we especially the things that are that are that are bad, the things that are evil, justifying, 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 we justify sin. Mm-hmm to the point where we're numb to that and the effects of that. Um, And I think that that poses a big problem too because, you know, more and more young people are coming up. My kids are coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, my kids are not, you know, I have one in some middle school, but my kids are in a situation where, you know, my responsibility is ever important, not just when one bad thing happens, but it's yeah. every day. Right. If I'm not having a conversation daily or weekly, yeah. mm-hmm. I give you, I put this out there today. The plot twist of this pandemic right. is that for the last two months, mm-hmm. I probably have had more sit down family dinners mm-hmm. than I had right. in the last two years. Exactly. And those conversations that we have had during the two months, right. from everything to school, yeah. to coronavirus, yeah. to like this week, yeah. Race, yeah, racism, mm-hmm. hate, love, processing it. Why? You know? And you said something so key, right? Mm-hmm. We having a conversation. Right. I'm not telling my child everybody's bad or everybody. He's wrong. She's right. She's so right, many she's wrong. people, right? Yeah. They're they're having these talks and they're just blabbing and they're just tweeting and they're and their kids are seeing this. But mm-hmm. I think it really starts with 
that generation, right? And I think that's what Kobe was really doing. He was trying to get that younger generation write books to influence them. Right. Because this generation, they know him as Kobe Bryant, the basketball player. They know him as whatever. But that generation can know him as, hey, the 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 philanthropist, the mm-hmm. the the person who really taught us values and more. You know. So it's that age when you have those conversations and you actually have conversations because, you know, very rarely, right? Are people having healthy conversations? Right. It's always from. It's either something happening. I need to prove my point. Right. I got to prove my point. Listen to me. But that's not a conversation. But now, hey, <laughs> how do you feel about this? You see what's going on? How does that make you feel, honey? Yeah. You know, how does that make you feel? And you let and you talk. But I think that's that's where the change. But we, happens. but we often seek out. Isn't it true that we often seek out somebody else's de- definition of what I'm supposed to feel like? Like, yeah. for example, relationships. A girl bases so much on the relationship of what she's told. Mm-hmm. Guy tells you I love you, then she's hooked. Right. Well, he may not really love her. Right. You know, mm-hmm. your actions have to mean a little bit to more that. too. Exactly. And you know, we we want people to tell us, yeah, my team is great, but mm-hmm. wait a minute, y'all have a weakness. No, 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 I know we. Right. We get told all these things that yeah. we're supposed to feel. When the reality of it is, is that um, I think we're so quick to run away from truth, mm-hmm. from from being proactive I see people that posted stuff this week and the only time I see them talk about it is when the bad happens exactly and I'm not saying that they're 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 supporting justice they want things to work out where is that but where is it at because I can sit and tell you all day long I talked to five people yeah but it's the other 20 conversations that I've mm-hmm. missed when I had a chance mm-hmm. in the last month. And and that brings me to a point. I had a I had a therapy session and, and this is what I would say for anyone who doesn't, you know, know how to compartmentalize this or how to feel or how to, you know, feel like they can be healthy or safe in this time. Um, I would definitely encourage um, to get uh, to get a therapist, to get a, you know, a, a mental health therapist. Not saying there's anything wrong with you, but sometimes we don't know how to in a healthy way, get out how we feel without hurting someone, without hurting ourselves in a way long term. So when you get someone that can say, hey, I understand what it is that you're going through. This may be why you feel that way. Hey, this maybe can help if you take these steps. Right. That's what it does. But um, she said something. She said that. And um, I was talking to her and she was like, you know, what are one of the things you want to get out of this therapy session? I said, well, I really want to get down to, you know, what affects me, why I am the way that I am and, and, and how I can be better. She said, OK, but I have to let you know that's very uncomfortable. I said, what you mean? She said, most time when people say that they want to look at themselves and why they are and why they act the way they are, it becomes very uncomfortable for someone to look at something that, and, and, and look at that truth and they start to get uncomfortable with it and they don't want to look at it anymore because yeah. you don't want to look at the reason why you know you see this way is because you were raised this way and you don't want to look at the person that, that taught you this in that way or whatever it is, yeah. right? But you, you know, you get to a point where you really have to look at it and say, man this sucks, this is ugly I really don't like this now what can I do about it? Yeah. Right? That's the point you get to. And and even like even going back, tying it with sports even, you know, how many times are we guilty? And I certainly know I've been guilty of this too, that, you know, I'm I'm all about celebrating the good and celebrating mm-hmm. individuals and celebrating the accomplishments right. and reaching out because of a team, of affiliation right. to something. But away from that, mm-hmm. if if that investment is not outside of that, you know, I'm so dependent on them. Yeah. But yeah. then I realized, you know, like, am I doing something to help them yeah. grow? Am I doing something to help them be able to listen to? Can I, can I, can I say you can reach out to me? Right. I can reach out to you. Yeah. And this quote I wrote down, and I warned us to to, to, to kind of close out with, yeah. is one I, I saw this week that it really stood out. Being listened to is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. Uh, that's good. Being and, listened and, to is so close to being loved that most people can't tell the difference. Right. Mm. Because we, we, we want to be the last voice. We yeah. want to be the loudest voice. Yeah. But sometimes the, the ear is the most valuable weapon we have. Yeah. Because I can gain more from you yeah. by being not silent in a bad way. Yeah. Right. But just silent enough to where silent and listen have the same letters. Hey, they do. And so yeah. I can I can gain more from that yeah. um, than trying to just... Fire up a wagon, right? Fire no. up a train, yeah. fire up a flag yeah. bearing competition, and go exactly. all that. And, and even some of the stuff I've seen today, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen some people. You see people out there talking. Yeah. Even at a protest situation, I'm not talking about the, the looting and the riot. I'm talking about just the the protest situation. You see people talking, mm-hmm. 
and maybe they wouldn't have had that conversation. Right. But let's keep conversating. Mm-hmm. Let's not wait till the next right. bad thing happens. So. Um, and, and speaking on that, and uh, I love that quote, and just kind of wrap it up with this whole personal development and personal, you know, thing, growth. I read this book that changed my life. It's called uh, The Four Agreements. And I think one thing that I would think helped you and I in a situation where people demand and stuff mm-hmm. of us and want and stuff of us is one of the one of the four agreements is not to take anything personal. Right. Right? How someone feels, if someone calls me ugly, stupid, whatever, that's because that's what that person is yeah. dealing with. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm ugly, I'm, you know, whatever it is. And one of the other things, which is what that quote means, is that it says be impeccable with your right. words. So you also have to listen. But being impeccable, if I'm going to be impeccable with my words, it means I'm going to be intentional. That means I can't just fire off just because yeah. we heat it right now. Right. I mean, I have a long-term approach. Mm-hmm. So just those two things out of the four um, is just really good. But, yeah, like you said, man, if you just listen. And I just think, I think, and, you know, I know for me, when I think about what, you know, we have been through as a people, it's just like, we, we just want to be heard. We don't want more than what anyone else. We don't, you know, want special treatment. Just want to feel like, hey, we're okay to do the same thing that everyone else is okay to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think, you know, once we get to a place where we really feel like that, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, it, the limits are off, you know. 